the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, mankind in our natural and fallen state tend to want to create our own standards of what is right and wrong. But that doesn't satisfy God. God is the one who establishes what is right and what is wrong. That's just one of many lessons found in the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, a book we'll begin a study in today on Study Verse by Verse with our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely, and I'm Mike Trout. The main thrust of the chapter we'll be looking at today is unity within the church, and to put it in plain vernacular, come on, Christians, just get along. (laughs) Something we need to hear on a regular basis, don't we? If you'd like to know more about this ministry and Church of the Highlands, go to the website highlands.us. I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles to chapter 4 of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Have you noticed that not all people who call themselves Christian are in alignment concerning values and so forth? And I've oftentimes been asked why this might be. And I think there are several obvious reasons for it. I think that in some cases, person, a person might mistakenly uh, think they're a Christian when they're not. They, they don't have an understanding of Christianity. They think they're a Christian because they were born in a Christian nation or they were born in a Christian family or their grandmother prayed for them at the knee. And they don't understand that Christianity is not inherited. It's a choice to make Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Savior, I think we understand we need to be saved from our sin. Lord uh, means king, that we make him the king of our life. Uh, Every kingdom uh, needs a king, and we are part of the kingdom of Christ. He is our king, and and in a kingdom, what the king says is what what happens. And so we invite him to not only be our Savior and our Lord, which then leads me into a second reason why not everybody shares the value, and that is that some people... Uh, are, living, are living in rebellion. They, they, they want Jesus as Savior, but they don't want Him as Lord. They don't want Him as King of their lives. They don't want to change. They don't want to grow up. And so they're living in rebellion. And, and then I think there's a third reason that's obvious, and that is that um, in, in some cases people are new to the faith. They're new to their, their Christian faith. They're not yet mature. You see, when people come uh, into faith as Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord, they bring with them the indoctrination of this world and its culture. They see things and value things as the world sees and values because that's all they've ever known. But as they grow in their love for and knowledge of the Scriptures, uh, God's Word, they realize that God's value and the values of this world are contrary, in some cases diametrically opposed. And, and, and the Apostle Paul challenges us to allow God to transform us into a new person by changing the way we think. So true Christianity is transformative. It transforms us into a a new person. We find these verses in Romans chapter 12. Paul wrote, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. The way we think is affected by what we give attention to and what we invest time in. So it's very important that we choose carefully what we give attention to and we invest our time in. If, we, if we're sitting around and watching television and, and listening to the lies of the world, then we're going we're gonna to copy the thoughts and behaviors of this world. But when we immerse ourselves regularly in God's Word, it changes the way we think for the better. And in the process, behavior that pleases God becomes far more apparent to us. If we love God, we're going to want to please God. We're going to want to obey His commandments. We can't obey His commandments if we don't know what they are. And the only way to know them is to know God's Word. And so it's important for us to diligently and daily read the Bible for ourselves, asking the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Now, as I've mentioned before, we're living in very divisive times. And it's important for us to not allow the church to be invaded by hatred and divisions. We must protect the unity of the church. And today I'd like to expand on what protecting the unity of the church involves. In verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul wrote, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, if we were to stop reading at this point, we might mistakenly conclude that the ultimate goal of our Christian faith is peace, that Christians should compromise and seek peace at any price, that peace brings unity. If we could all just get along. But the Bible does not teach that peace produces unity. The Bible does teach that unity produces peace. Unity produces peace. When we are unified in thought and action and motivation, our unity produces peace. We're no longer in conflict with each other, seeking different directions based on differing values. And that's why Paul continues by describing beliefs that bind true Christians together in unity. He writes in verse 4, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. These are examples of, of, of things that all true Christians believe and value. And the point is that if we're believing in and acting upon what is clearly taught in Scripture, this produces unity, which produces peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but rather the presence of righteousness. Uh, Paul wrote in Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying is that righteousness produces peace, which in turn produces joy. Righteousness is right standing in the sight of God. That is knowing and doing what is right in the sight of God. True righteousness is living in conformity to God's standards. Now, mankind in our natural and fallen state tend to want to create our own standards of what is right and wrong. But that doesn't satisfy God. God is the one who establishes what is right and what is wrong. Now, we studied this portion of chapter 4 previously, so I'd like to commit our focus today to the portion of uh, this chapter that begins at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So God loves it when things grow, and that includes his church. And the church grows when every part of the church is doing its part. Every part of the body is doing its part. And in this pandemic, there have been many parts of the church that have not been working properly or not working at all. And I am so looking forward to the time when we can return to a state where all of the parts of the church are functioning again. Let's look at the passage in greater detail, beginning at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. And so here the apostle Paul lists offices related to the leadership of the church. But notice that the purpose of this leadership is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Many of us have come to think that ministry is done by the leadership of the church when in fact the Bible teaches clearly that it's to be done by the saints. Now, in, in the Bible, saints is not a reference to an exceptionally pious believer who has since passed from this life into the next. In the Bible, it's talking about living believers. Living believers are called saints. For instance, when the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, the letter of Ephesians, he addressed the letter, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he wrote his letter to the Colossians, he addressed the letter, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. The apostle Paul wasn't writing to dead believers. What would be the point? He was, he was writing to living believers. He was writing to believers. We... Our, our, our saints, according to the scripture, and we have a responsibility, all of us as believers, to do ministry so that the body of Christ might be built up or grow. And, and the Apostle Paul then goes on to explain that the growth is not limited to numeric growth, although that should be a part of it, but the growth includes maturing into the likeness or fullness of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We are living in a world that is filled with deceitful schemes used by cunning humans to cause harm. Now the word, word here, until, indicates a dedication to the process until the end is achieved when all believers come to unity. Now, in the early portion of the chapter, it talks about the unity of the Spirit, which must be maintained. Here it talks about the unity in our faith, which must be attained. Before, unity of the Spirit maintained. Now, unity of the faith attained. It's something we have to attain. We have to acquire. We have to pursue a unity of faith. And it is based on a united effort to know and understand and live out our faith and scripture. It also references unity in our knowledge of the Son of God, and that refers to us having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, there's a world of difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. There's a world of difference between knowing about Christ and knowing Christ. It's important we do not confuse the two. 
And, and believers are called to be mature and full-grown, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. And the, the metaphor means that we must pursue growth and maturity until we can match the head who is Christ. That's the direction, and He is the indicative of perfection. People who are children in their faith and knowledge are susceptible to false teaching, that is, every wind of doctrine, and tend to be unstable and susceptible to manipulation. That's why new believers are a target for the cults. More warnings and lessons from the book of Ephesians as we come back tomorrow with the next edition of Study Verse by Verse. We're in a four-part series in the book of Ephesians, and you can find the complete messages on the website, highlands.us. There's also the opportunity there for you, actually many opportunities for you, to join in the ministry outreaches of Church of the Highlands. All the details begin on the homepage. Again, that's highlands.us, including a daily devotional. I'm Mike Trout, and just a quick reminder that we are a nonprofit outreach of Church of the Highlands, and we depend upon financial support from listeners just like yourself. You can give safely at that website, highlands.us. Join us tomorrow when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of Ephesians and study verse by verse.